Would you open a Bible with me back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3 is our text for the evening. We will make a couple of detours over the next few minutes, but we will begin by reading 2 Timothy chapter 3. While you're turning back there, let me echo the welcome. Thank you to all of you for being here this evening. Hope that you've had a good afternoon. You are an encouragement to me by being here. As Roger mentioned this morning, we have had a a great focal point for the year. Finish what was started. I have appreciated even in prayers, hearing today, that idea that the Lord would be with us and strengthen us, that we might finish what was started. It's been an encouragement to me to talk to various ones of you throughout the year and have you share with me how this focal point from God's Word has helped and encouraged you. You're an encouragement to me by being here, hearing pages of God's Word turn. We want to use 2 Timothy chapter 3 to continue fleshing out this focal point. The last two Sundays we've been in the first two chapters Paul has been our guide. He has written the sermon. I've just done my best to give voice to what he has already shared with us. Would you begin reading with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, where he writes to young Timothy, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far. For their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. 
Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's begin picturing the Apostle Paul as he is in a Roman prison hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where young Timothy, one of his sons in the faith, is. Timothy has been left in Ephesus and charged with helping this church continue to grow. And much of what Paul writes in 2 Timothy are the sorts of things that this young man must keep in mind as he does the work of an evangelist, fulfills his ministry, accepts this baton of faith that we talked about last Sunday morning, but also works to hand that baton of faith off to other faithful people who will be able to teach others even after young Timothy is gone. And I'd encourage you to to picture Paul doing his best to pour his heart out on this parchment, knowing that he's not able to share these things mouth to mouth, face to face with Timothy, but there are things he desperately wants Timothy to know and understand and remember. That, that's the picture I have in my mind. That's the picture I hope you have in your mind where in the second half of this letter, he says, but understand this. It's the sort of phrase that ought to make readers slow down. I mean, there's been a lot that has unfolded in 2 Timothy 1 and 2 Timothy 2. Timothy was a human being just like me, just like you. Our minds at times are prone to wonder, especially with something really important. It might take a couple of readings for us really to have the the big message sink in. It's these phrases maybe that have the power to pull us back in, get us refocused, and realize that really important things are about to be talked about. Understand this, Timothy. By God's design, understand this. Whomever reads this God-breathed, preserved letter. In the last days, you realize that 
we are living in the last days. In fact, keep your hand right there or a marker in 2 Timothy 3. Go back with me to Acts chapter 2. We live in the last days. We heard here on more than one occasion throughout the pages of the New Testament. Here in Acts chapter 2 is where it first shows up. And I want to show you the context. It's not that we live in the last days where if we just look for the right signs or decode the right hidden messages, then we will know exactly when Jesus comes again. Jesus himself tells us it is not going to come with observable signs. We hear his inspired apostles emphasizing it's going to be like a, a thief in the night. It's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. It's not we live in the last days as in, well, if we get all of the puzzle pieces arranged just right in a way that no human being has ever been witty or clever enough to do, then we will know exactly the moment that all here on earth comes to an end. But there is a very real sense that we are living in the last days. Let's allow apostles of Jesus to give us that context. In Acts chapter 2, there are thousands of Jews that have come to Jerusalem to observe the Jewish day of Pentecost. There has been some great commotion, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And the next thing these thousands of people know, there are ordinary men from Galilee speaking in all of these various languages represented by people who live a long ways away from Galilee. And, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And some float the idea, well, maybe they're just drunk. Let's listen in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. We would say at about nine in the morning. But this... Understand this, we could paraphrase, is what was uttered through the prophet Joel hundreds of years before. Here is a spirit-guided apostle saying, do you remember several centuries before how Joel said something? Let me remind you of that and, and, and use that to explain what's going on right here. And in the last day, First time we run across that phrase in the New Testament, not the last. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire with vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. 
And he starts telling them about Jesus of Nazareth. You see, we are living in the last days in the sense of ever since Genesis chapter 3, God has been promising a Savior is going to come. A Deliverer will rise up and eventually the greatest problem of all, the problem that we have brought into God's good world, the problem of sin and the death that results is going to be solved. And so in Exodus, they were looking forward. In Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, they were looking forward. Throughout the judges and the kings, they were looking forward. All over the prophets, they're looking forward. When is he going to come? When is our king, our anointed one? Our Savior finally going to come. And of course the message of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that king, that deliverer is here. From that point, after his death and his burial and his triumphant resurrection from the dead. From the very first sermon that was preached, these men said, understand this. We are living in the last days. God's plan, its climax, has been reached in Jesus. God kept all of his promises. In fact, there's just one promise to be fulfilled when his king comes again. And delivers the kingdom over to the Father, ushering all of us into eternity. Understand this, this evening. Let's put these goggles on as we go out into the world. We are living in the last days. Our king could come at any moment. Timothy, understand this. But understand, we heard back in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that there are going to be great difficulties in these last days. And I don't know how you would summarize that ugly list of difficulties. Could I suggest one good way is the love of people is warped and misguided. Why are difficulties a reality in the last days. Five different times he mentions love. What makes life difficult? That's a big question. You poll a hundred different people tomorrow. What makes life difficult? You're probably going to get a hundred different answers. What makes it difficult to get along with other human beings? That's a big idea. Lots of theories revolving around that idea. Here is a God-breathed answer. We've got a love problem. It's not that we are incapable of love. Not that we are unable to love. God is love. We are created in His image. He has created us with not only the capacity to love, but the the tendency. We will love things. The problem is, our love is warped and misguided. 
let's listen to how Paul describes that. What makes life difficult? People are lovers of self. And there are all sorts of ways that he illustrates that for us. People are proud. And I want you to come face to face with this, even as I come face to face this evening. Pride doesn't happen in a vacuum. When I act out of pride, I'm going to make the life of other people around me more difficult than it has to be. When I act out of arrogance, that is going to project difficulty into the world. When, when I receive and am un grateful that is not the will of my heavenly father that's not the way you were created to live that's not life the way that it was meant to be what makes life here in these last days difficult well we've got a love problem we are lovers of self we put ourselves first and that does not happen without ripple effects you will come in contact this week with people who are proud and arrogant and ungrateful and they will not be the easiest people to get along with right this has been preserved for 2,000 years people who are heartless they don't care they don't care about the people around them they don't care about how their actions affect others. They care more about themselves than about how their words land. Who their choices hurt. They've got a love problem. They are unappeasable. They have decided it's never going to be good enough i'm just going to be this way miserable for the rest of my life what is that it's it's more than stubbornness it's a love problem what makes life difficult people are lovers of self they they don't care about self-control they are swollen with conceit Timothy understand this you live in the last days and there are going to be difficulties because people are lovers of self and lovers of money I told you Acts chapter 2 is just the first time that this phrase the last days shows up in the New Testament let me show you another example James chapter 5 and verse 1 where James is led by the Spirit to write come now you rich weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire you have laid up treasure 
in the last days. You've been living with a love problem. You love money more than people. You love what money can buy more than those created in His image. You love money more than the Messiah, more than the mission of His kingdom. And that doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's what makes life under the sun difficult, a, a love problem. He, he, he flips it on the negative. What makes the last days difficult? Well, the love of people is warped and misguided in the sense that they, they don't love what is good. They are abusive. That's the word to describe how they're going to treat people. People they know and people they don't know. I don't care about you. I, I don't care about your needs. If I can use you to meet my own needs, I will. But I'm not in this for you. I've got a love problem. Disobedient to their parents. What a note in this list. What is that? Listen to the Holy Spirit. That's, that's more than a personality quirk. It's more than an embarrassing inconvenience at times. It is a, a love problem. Young parents, let's, let's listen to the Holy Spirit of God as He is revealing for us Learning obedience on the front line at home is the fundamentals of love. It's not unloving to teach little hearts to obey and respect authority. In fact, if, if we don't learn that at home, what do we do? We go out into the world as adults and we contribute to the difficulty of the last days. He describes people who are slanderous. They've got a love problem. They, they don't love the truth. They would rather just say whatever they want to say even if they don't know it's true. I heard it from somebody. And I'm, I'm not going to think about how it will land on other hearts. I'm not going to think about how repeating those things that may or may not be true will make the lives of others more difficult. I just care about myself. And if I feel like saying it, I'll say it. He describes people who are brutal. When's the last time you, you interacted with, with someone who had a, a brutal heart? A brutal attitude? Who has no problem whatsoever arriving in a room, arriving in a situation, and just acting like the biggest bull in the china shop and expects you to deal with it. What is that? That's more than inadequacy. That's, that's more than deep-seated fears. That's a, 
a love problem. He describes people who are, are treacherous. What makes the last days difficult? Well, the, the love of people is warped and, and misguided. They're lovers of self. They're lovers of money. They don't love good. In fact, we could summarize it this way. They are, are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We've, we've been noticing this phrase, the last days, and, and it shows up again here in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Peter says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days. Timothy, understand this. You live in the last days. And what makes these days difficult is people have a love problem. They love what they want more than they love God. And His will, His people, His way, the sacrificial way of laying down self for the good of others and the glory of God. And, and so... There are unholy people all around you and there, there are people who are living recklessly and, and heartbreakingly. They may even have the appearance of godliness. They may plant themselves consistently in, in assemblies of worship. But they're not living by the power of God. They've got a love problem. And Timothy, you need to avoid those kinds of people. Could I encourage you, whomever you are, however old you are this evening, think seriously about the counsel that Paul is giving young Timothy. There are some of us, I'm afraid, who entertain ourselves with people who have that fundamental love problem. It is really easy for us to fill our minds and our, our attention spans throughout the week by following people who have a fundamental love problem. They love pleasures more than they love God. They love self at the expense of loving God. They are lovers of money. They, they do not love Good, and this audience is full of people who follow all sorts of influences, right? Maybe it's on social media, maybe it's on cable news, maybe it's on a, a scheduled show, something that, that I just catch in my DVR every time it comes on, the things that I stream online, whatever it is, books, magazines, what, whatever it is. Understand that, that, that when you open your mind, you expose your mind to those influences, good or bad, in a very real sense, you are following them. You are giving them access to your heart and your mind, your, your affections. 
And 2,000 years ago, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you need to be really careful that you don't follow those sorts of people. In fact, you need to avoid those people. Timothy, instead, verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, you have followed my teaching. You have followed my conduct. You have followed my aim in life. You have followed my faith. You have followed my patience. You have followed my love. You have followed my steadfastness, even my, my persecutions and sufferings. And so this leads us to a really practical point this evening. If I have my Bible open or, or my attention focused on 2 Timothy 3, and when we are done, I close my personal copy of the Bible, and I don't open it until Wednesday night. Or I don't open it until next Sunday morning. Or I don't open it until after the first of the year when all the chaos of the next couple of weeks has died down. Understand, I will have followed lots of influences. And I will have loved. But I will not have opened the gates of my heart to what I need more than tomorrow's bread. What I need to, to finish what was started. I'm, I'm not here to tell you who and what to follow as far as popular culture or politics or, or, or whatever it else it is that, that you're going to give attention to over the course of the next few days. But I want you to think about what the Apostle Paul is is noting here. And understand that this was written 2,000 years ago to someone else, but preserved by God for our learning. And with open Bibles, even this week, we can follow His teaching. Roger mentioned where we're going to be in, in the book of Acts over the course of the next few days. Understand, if you follow along in our daily Bible reading schedule, you are going to be following the teaching of Paul just as surely as Timothy could. You read about Paul going to the great city of Athens. You, you read about him carrying the gospel all the way to Rome. You follow that as more worthwhile than Anything else that this world has to offer. And what are you doing? You're following his conduct. There are lots of aims of life all around. But you're following his aim of life. You're, you're learning about his faith. You're learning about his patience and love and steadfastness. Even in the midst of persecutions and sufferings. Timothy, you have followed those things. And that leads us to our last section for the evening. 2 Timothy 3 verses 14 through 17. How could Timothy, how can we finish what was started? Well, that's, that's the theme of his last few verses. Become acquainted with the sacred writings. 
If you're holding a, a, a physical copy of God's word this evening, would you, would you feel the weight of that? Not the literal weight of that. But understand that you are holding in your hand writings that are sacred. There isn't anything that compares with this. There isn't anything that will show up in any social media feed that's sacred like this. From a young age, Timothy had become acquainted with these writings. You have a little heart, a little soul in close proximity to you this evening. What a great way of thinking about the next few God-given days. To help that little heart become acquainted with the sacred writings. Jimmy or Darren tracked you down here in recent weeks, asked you to teach in January and February of 2024. That can be tiring. That can be challenging. Wednesday nights, listen, it's hard for these guys to get teachers for little classes on Wednesday nights. And I get it. We've all had a long day. And by 7 o'clock, when it's been dark for 12 hours in the wintertime, kids can be crazy. But what a great way to think about the aim of those classes. We're trying to help little hearts become acquainted with sacred writings. Even as we, as adults, hear the call, never stop. Learning Has that been true of you in 2023? I hope that it has. Have you learned more about God? More about the, 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 the revealed will of God? More about the, the majesty of Jesus and the glory of His church throughout 2023? I hope you have. And if you haven't, now is a great time to evaluate why. And what do I need to change heading into 2024? Timothy, appreciate who has helped you along the way. You didn't get here on your own. What about you? What about me? As you look at who has helped you along the way, are they still on this side of death? What could you do this week to express appreciation? They may not even know how they've helped you. Are they on the other side of death? Before you go to sleep tonight, thank God with a heart of appreciation for who has helped you along the way. Timothy, help others grow to be firm believers in Christ Jesus. Do you this evening, are you a firm believer? Not your dad, not your mom, not your grandfather, not your grandmother. Are you a firm believer in Christ Jesus? And if you're not, let's talk about that. 
Let's talk about the doubts. Let, let's, let's talk about what, what is hanging you up because the goal is not simply to be a kind listener in an assembly like this. The goal is to be a firm believer and to allow Scripture to complete and equip you for every good work. These sacred writings, all Scripture, is breathed out by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Understand this, Timothy. You live in the last days. And these last days are difficult because the love of people is warped and misguided. People are lovers of self, lovers of money. They don't love good. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's not where you want to camp. That's not where you ought to build your life. You have followed something better. Something that will help you all the way into eternity. Never stop learning. Appreciate who has helped you. You be a firm believer in Jesus Christ. You allow those scriptures to be the north star of your life. Leading you all the way home. We took a brief detour to Acts chapter 2 where the apostle Peter and, and the rest of the apostles introduced those people to Jesus and... And that sermon concluded by Peter emphasizing, you need to understand this. Let, let all the house of Israel know therefore for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they wanted to know, what shall we do? Peter told them, with the help of the Holy Spirit, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. He is still calling this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Calling us out of our love problems, out of our warped and misguided senses of love that have left us dead in our trespasses and deadly in our relationships with each other. He still calls. He is calling this evening even through 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if we can help you in not only understanding this but applying this this evening. That's why we're here. Would you let us know how we can help you? If we can pray with you, for you this evening. That's why we're here. Let us know how we can be of assistance by coming to the front while we stand and sing together.